Welcome to Pants Not Trousers, a podcast for expats looking for connection and belonging in a foreign land. And we're your hosts, Arij and Raheel. We are two women who've left their lives behind in the US and Canada to experience expat life in the UK. Here we are, December 28th, post-Christmas. Raheel, what did it look like for you? For us, it looked really different this year. We weren't able to... Uh, one thing that I noticed, one of the things that... So I'm going to start. Sorry. That was a lot of false starts there. Uh, <laughs> I had a lot of thoughts running through my head yes. at the same time. A lot going on. My family is Muslim and we don't really celebrate Christmas in the traditional way. Yeah. We celebrate the spirit of Christmas. So from in my home, it looks like sharing we try to find a charity or a family to adopt and we bake cookies to give to all our family and friends that are celebrating. Right. And we really celebrate in the love and the feasting. Like it's such a wonderful time of year. It is. Everybody is so happy and patient with each other. And I absolutely love Christmas. Christmas is definitely my favorite time of year, but the only thing we don't do is we don't give presents to each other right. and we sit that commercial aspect out. Right. And one of my favorite things to do is walk around the neighborhood and just take out, take on, you know, just take in the lights and yeah. just really feel the Christmas spirit. And I don't know if it's a London thing or a, like a North America versus London thing or a COVID-19 thing, but a lot of the houses in my neighborhood weren't decorated. Yeah. Yeah. I know it's hard to know, right? Cause I, I mean, we're, this isn't the first Christmas, but like, I do remember it being a lot brighter and a lot more festive last year. And maybe that's because there was a mass exodus of people before tier four lockdown actually happened. And then they ended up staying where they are, or they ended up leaving the city, but it it felt really quiet. And yeah, I guess people were in hibernation mode as well, because that's what they were asked to do. But yeah, very, very different. I mean, we, different. Em- we embraced we embraced the commercial this year because we just wanted we just wanted to make it fun for the kids um, on Christmas, and we like we did the whole thing. Like, I paid five pounds for an app for Santa to like <laughs> send a personalized message to Adam about him getting his reindeer ready and like delivering presents. Like, we just went all in this year and got them uh, got them more presents than than they're probably used to getting just because we wanted to embrace it and we like decorated a tree and usually every year it's like okay let's get a small tree because same it's um, we don't formally celebrate Christmas but I mean what is Christmas Christmas time is for a lot of people it is definitely religious obviously but for us it's everything you said it's the spirit of Christmas it's just making light of winter time and the lights and the, the hustle and bustle. And I just, I love all of it. So we embraced it because we needed it. To, we needed to make it as fun as possible for the kids, especially, and for us. So we, we did our cookie drop. We did 12, we baked 170 cookies and we had 12 different friends between the kids that we wanted to deliver to. And I really wanted to get the cookies out on Christmas Eve because at home you leave a plate of cookies and a glass of milk for Santa. And so I got to their homes and, you know, small talk on the porch, socially distanced. And I was like, Hey kids, like now here's your cookies for Santa. And they looked at me like I was crazy. And then I got told 
that in the UK, Santa gets mince pies and a glass of sherry. Yes. This is what I heard. This is what I heard from my son because we decided to leave Santa some baklava and <laughs> and besbusa, which is like an Egyptian Arabic um, dessert. So we we thought we would, you know, culturally educate our, our Santa Claus this year. I don't know if he was really interested in the baklava, but, you know, maybe it was uh, – Maybe it was a change from the cookies slash mince pie. But yeah. Um, so tell me, other than Christmas, uh, was there anything anything else that you were keeping yourself busy with? Well, for anyone that doesn't know, actually, can I mention this? Can I mention the fact that you're an epic baker and that you were probably up to your neck in baking because of the Christmas <laughs> orders? Sure. Yeah, that's right. I started a micro bakery in October as a way to keep myself busy and occupied. And I mean, I was baking through first lockdown tremendously anyways. And I figured, yeah. you know, instead of eating, I may as well share it. So yes, I was up to my neck in flour mm-hmm. pretty much since the beginning of November because there was American Thanksgiving. And even though it's not a really big holiday here, there's enough Americans to cater for and we were making pumpkin mm-hmm. cheesecake and sticky buns and things like that. And then uh, Christmas rolled up and, you know, straight into Christmas orders. So yeah, it was, it was incredibly busy. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. I'm enjoying this little Christmas break that I've, I've got two weeks off. I'm taking the Christmas break. Yeah. It's nice. Yeah. Yeah. But I did, I wanted to embrace British Christmas traditions as much as I could. Mm -hmm. And for me, that usually revolves around food. (laughs) And so I had never had a mince pie before. Mm -hmm. And so I made it a mission to try mince pies. Mm -hmm. And I tried, I think maybe four different kinds of mince pies this year. And they're not bad for people who don't know a mince pie. Tell me. I I am one of those people that does not know. Minced to me is minced meat. So I always, yeah, I always imagine it to be savory, but it's actually not. But yes, what's in it? Yeah. I thought it was going to be ground beef or something, but it's not. It's basically just dried candied fruit and nuts put together and it could have nuts or not. And then it's just put together in a pastry filling and usually mixed with beef suet which is some kind of fat. And so it never really sounded appealing to me because to me, I mean, I want a butter tart or a pecan pie, but this year I decided to embrace it. And actually it is quite juicy if it's made well and they don't, they used to traditionally be made with animal fat. Right. But now you can get the ones made with vegetable fat. And there are some really good ones out there. I, I had a friend who made some and dropped it off. I also tried... On Christmas Day, I had a Christmas pudding. Oh. Mm. Yeah. That's not my thing. Oh, my God. It's my thing. <laughs> it is my thing. It's sticky. It's dense. It's, it's not super sticky. Sweet. It's not sticky. Christmas pudding. Oh, maybe I'm thinking of a different kind of pudding. So sticky toffee pudding, I have it in my freezer because I bought that also for Christmas. That is absolutely delicious. It's like a date cake and it's got a caramel poured over top and then you bake the whole thing and it's super sticky and moist and dense and just delicious. Christmas pudding is, I thought it was going to be similar. It's basically like a fruit cake that has been steamed on your stovetop. Oh, okay. So this is a different kind of pudding. Uh huh. Yeah. It's, uh, it's very boozy and it's very dense and full of candied fruit. It had a bitter aftertaste. 
I, I think it's an acquired taste. We'd have to have it again. Okay. Okay. We need we need to have a whole episode on just desserts, frankly. A whole episode on yeah, food. Absolutely. absolutely. Um, but today we are actually talking about um we're talking about our physically, logistically, mentally getting here, getting to the UK. So this is, I mean, I've been here, we've been here pretty much the same time because we arrived in July and um of 2019 and uh and we're talking about sort of the preparation and the things that were involved with getting here um so for you what was what was the visa application like was it complicated was it time consuming yeah for us it was all neatly taken care of through my husband's work because we were working we were moving here for work mm-hmm. And he had applied to this company that falls under his uh, parent company's umbrella. So he had to apply for a job, go through an interview process. It was actually a very long interview process. And Mm -hmm. then he got a job offer and it was a lateral job transfer. And basically the relocation team took care of the visa process. Mm -hmm. The only thing that we required on our part was to fill out a bunch of paperwork and we had to go to the British consulate in San Francisco to get pictures taken and some fingerprinting done. Mm -hmm. And we were told through our relocation team that it was only going to take about a week for us to get our visas. And the point from the point where you get your visa to the point where you enter the country, you have a month. Right. And so we waited until we were ready, you know, a month out from moving here to apply it's for stressful, our right? visas. These, these things, like they have expiry dates. So if things don't go as planned or if there's delays, then you have to go through the process all over again. So yeah. Exactly. And that's exactly what happened. It didn't end oh. up taking a week. It ended up taking three and a half weeks. And we actually had to rebook our flights. And we had, we were trying to time everything because we only had a month to leave after you get your visa in your hand. Right. And you have to ship your stuff. We were allowed to ship our stuff. We had two shipments. We had an air shipment and a sea shipment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we were told that because it was the summertime, it was going to take three to four months for our sea shipment to get here, worst case scenario, and that we should plan to bring some things by air. And for us, that meant some clothes, some of the kids' toys. Yeah. Yeah. The stuff that was going to get us through. The stuff that was going to arrive like basically at the same time that you did. Exactly. Exactly. And so that's what we, we kind of made a mental list of what needed to be done, but it was still all going to be packed on the same day by the movers. And, you know, we, obviously we were renting a house there. We had to give notice to the landlady when we were going to leave that house. But because our visa was delayed so much, we actually had to move our pack and load date and we had to move it for the, the only available date was the week after. And by that point, there was a backlog with customs getting to the UK. Mm-hmm. And so we had to rethink our process of like what we were going to send by air because there was going to be, it, there was a possibility that things were going to take even longer than three to four months to get here. Oh man, that's so stressful. And yeah. It was very stressful. Like we had to move out of the house because we had to, we had our pack and load done and we had to move into corporate housing on the other end. Mm-hmm. And we still didn't have our visas, but we were hopeful that we were going to get it in the next week. So we only booked that corporate housing for a week. Yeah. And then we still didn't get our visa. And then we had to find, scramble to find an Airbnb. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. It's, it's a logistical nightmare. 
yeah, I mean, I think, I think for us, the, the most stressful thing was, or time consuming or, or the, the part that took the most planning, because like you, we had, uh, uh, we had my husband's work, have a really quick relocation agent assist us through the process. And, you know, we had these, um, we had these different people come and do surveys and, uh, inventory of the things and get quotes and all that. So, um, it was a bit of a process, but yeah, it was kind of just figuring out what am I going to need as soon as we land? You know, you have to really like think it through on a practical level because I had a six month old and I had a a five-year-old. So, um, a four-year-old, sorry, at the time. So it was, it was complicated. It was really complicated because then it's, you know, your ship shipment, sorry, your ship, um, items, your shipped items are the ones that take, you know, up to a month. So it's like stuff that you don't, you don't need right away, you know, larger furniture and stuff, but then your smaller shipment, it's, it's, it's a smaller amount of size. It's not a container on a ship. It's in a plane. So you have to be really methodical about like what you actually need, like what toys does my six month old, like cannot live without You kind of have to think of it at that level. So that was a bit of a challenge, but I do remember, um, being a professional, uh, Craigslist, um, seller. So my house, we just decided that we wanted to kind of purge a little bit and get rid of stuff. And, um, yeah, and I had people just walking through my house on a daily basis, looking at our stuff and wheeling and dealing and, I don't know. I had some lucky buyers because I needed to get rid of stuff. And they were like, you know, it was like a hundred dollars and they're like 20. I'm like, okay, fine. Sold. (laughs) (laughs) I probably lost a lot of money in the process, but, um, but got rid of a lot of things. So that was good. Um, but you know, in hindsight, you try to be as sensitive as you can be with your kids, but like, you don't realize the impact that it has on them because they don't understand what's happening as much as you try to explain it. And, all my four-year-old was seeing was, you know, his stuff being taken away, like his, not just his stuff, our stuff. And he's like, he thought we were getting robbed. I think he at some point asked me like, why are people stealing our things? And I'm like, so I kind of had to like, I had to be cognizant of that. And the house was getting emptier and emptier. So it was a a pretty like slow, painful process of like packing and shipping and emotionally and physically it was, it was taxing. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't sell anything. Good for you. I, storage? Did you do storage? We no. So what we did, we brought everything with us. Oh, wow. <laughs> we for brought you. everything with us except for big appliances. So obviously I couldn't bring my refrigerator or my washer or dryer Yeah, or my cars. So we sold those. Yeah. Anything electric I tried to sell, but unlike you, if I wasn't getting the money that I wanted, I was getting annoyed and pissed off. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, forget it. This is like, you don't understand how what great condition this is in. Forget it. If you can't appreciate it, I want to sell it to you. So I actually brought a box of appliances with me that say yeah. North American appliances so that I have them when I move back. Cause these are all things that I'm going to use. Yeah, exactly. When I go back home. Right. But I just couldn't bear to part with them. Yeah. And I also thought I didn't know what kind of house we were going to get here and how much space we were going to have. But we did have a trip we had a trip out here for a week before we actually made our move just to kind of get a lay of the land. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we did some house hunting just just to get an idea of what was available. Yeah. And I could see that there were homes 
that could accommodate our stuff. Yeah. 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 And so I didn't sell anything. I brought all our furniture with us. I didn't want to, I didn't want to sell things on that end and deal with that stress and then move here and deal with the stress of buying furniture. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I think that there's this, um, the idea of, of, uh, England in general, that everything is smaller, everything's miniature. And that's true in a lot of cases, actually. But I think depending on where you go, you could probably, you could get a lot of, um, a lot of space and a lot of storage space. Cause they're knowing that people are very smart. I find people are very smart about maximizing space in a home and creating a lot of storage, like anywhere. If there is like a nook, like a tiny little five by five nook, they make it into a storage space. I noticed that when we moved into, into this house, it's like every single, um, every single part of the house is usable. And, um, it's really efficient actually, but I think it's because everything's sort of like smaller closets are, everything's just smaller. Um, and we were worried about our king size actually, having said that I remember now. Um, so a king size here, they call it like a double bedroom. And that is like, allows for a double bed to fit in. And then their, our king size is actually a super king here. So we were quite worried about whether that was going to fit, like even fit through doorways. Um, so we risked it and sure enough, it, it worked. It happened to work in the two, two places that we've been here so far. So, but yeah, that's a good point you brought up. She, so because the beds are called different names mm-hmm. and they have different dimensions, if you do bring your king size bed from North America or your queen size bed or what have you, you won't be able to buy sheets for them here. So that's, which is not a big deal. Just bring your sheets with you. Yeah. (laughs) And buy them every time you go home. (laughs) But I think, yeah, it's, it's not as readily available because there's not a lot of super Kings here. But if you have, um, if you go to certain stores, like the larger department stores, they'll usually have that as an option, but they do, but yeah, I agree. They're not, they're not readily available. Hence, we have like literally the same, I think the same king size sheet that we've been using for, <laughs> for a year now. I think it's probably time to invest. Um, but yeah, anyway, so lots to think about when you're, when you're moving abroad and the logistics, especially, I mean, we are lucky that we had a relocation agent to help with that kind of stuff. And we had corporate housing set up when we got here. Um, but you know, it's not, it's not really in the neighborhood that, you want to be in permanently because you don't really give it that much thought. So if I had to, if I had to kind of go back, I would say be a little bit more thoughtful about even if you're moving into temporary housing when you first get here, if it's for two or three weeks, um, if you have a choice, put some thought into it because it's your first impression of where you're going to live. And broadly, you know, it's, uh, we lived in Westminster and lovely area I guess, very parliamenty and, you know, um, corporate for lack of a better word. So it wasn't really conducive to family. Um, and there was a park, but it was far and everything just seemed like, you know, uh, busy and, and even the feel of it just felt, um, very corporate, like the kinds of buildings and stuff. So it was not ideal. And we were there. I mean, we spent a good, month there before our furniture arrived. So, and before we moved into the place that we had like secured. Um, but yeah, so 
I would say, I would say that was probably a, a takeaway for anyone. Yeah. That's really one hating. thing that I would suggest is talking to friends and family where you live already. Some of them might have experience in the country that you are moving to or know somebody that already lives there and take advantage of social media. Something that really helped me figure out where we wanted to stay. And yeah, you're good at that. You're very good at like creating networks online and tapping into that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So Facebook is a great resource. I'm not on Facebook very much. I'm not very active on it, but I am incredibly active on the groups because they are helpful. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And they're real Just, people, right? Like they're real they people are giving real people. real advice. Yeah. And there are tons of expat groups. There's ex, there's London, new girls in London. There's expat spouses in London and North American ladies in London or the UK. And there's just tons of one. Those are just the ones that I know for the UK. And when I lived in the Bay Area, there were a ton for the Bay Area. Right. And so just take advantage of those groups and ask them questions like, what are some of the better neighborhoods to live in if this is my situation? Yeah. Or I'm going to be working here and I only want this long a commute, but I want to live in the countryside and I need good transit links. What do you suggest? And people are really good at suggesting things. Yeah. And it's fast. Like people, people respond. <laughs> people actually <they> do. <laughs> respond to you. Like, I don't know. I have this, you know, I don't know, maybe I'm just uh, a year or two um, late into the the gen, what are we, gen X, gen, I don't know. Basically, I just don't rely on social media for information or to tap into um, help and advice. I want to like seek it out on my own. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going to libraries to like look at encyclopedias to find information, but I, you know, I try to search for things like on the internet and research and but it's actually pretty quick, amazing information that you get from people that, you know, live in your area that have the context and, um, and understand kind of what you're looking for and they will respond to you, which is the best part. So I need to get better at that, Raheel. You need to learn from your example. Well, I, I just feel like if nobody responds to you, you're no worse off yeah, than before. It's true. So you may as well try. It's true. So, um, to wrap things up, we wanted to end. Um, we wanted to end with kind of just a funny things because funny things always seem to happen in life in general, but especially when you're kind of in a new place. And yes, it's English, but there's a lot of differences in the way that we communicate and the nuances of the language and. Oh uh, yeah, all of we it, are always so. speaking the wrong English. Yeah, yeah. I feel yeah. like we, my kids are fluent in two kinds of English now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. I learned something new from my from my little uh, six year old every day about the way things are said. Um, yeah. So, what's your what's your latest? What did I learn this week? I learned. So in America, they don't celebrate Boxing Day, but in Canada, they do. And Boxing Day is December twenty sixth, which is the day after Christmas. And I was on some Facebook groups, just kind of keeping abreast to see what people are talking about. And somebody asked in my local group, I live in Crouch End, which is a neighborhood in North London. And somebody asked in my local group, where can I get some good crimbo presents? I'm looking for local handmade businesses. And I had no idea what crimbo was. And it's spelled C-H-R-I-M. B-O, and I had to Google it. And apparently, Crimbo stands for the Christmas Boxing Day holiday. Ah, okay. 
<laughs> Pairing yeah, it like a hot Hollywood couple. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Crimbo. So these are the Crimbo holidays, or I guess Crimbo's over and now it's New Year's Eve. I'm not really sure. Amazing. Okay. But- these are the things that cause me anxiety because I'm like, if someone said that to me, I would be blank faced. And you know, there are moments when you're really honest and you're like, sorry, I don't understand what you just said. And then there are moments when you try to play it off like you understand, but then you hope the conversation doesn't go further because you're like, oh my I- God, this happened to me yesterday. So I told you I started watching Bridgerton, a show on Netflix, yeah. and I find the Duke on that really hot. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So I have this friend that I know, and she and I were talking about oh, or a few weeks ago about shows, which just had really good eye candy in it. And so I texted her and I was like, oh my God, you need to watch this show. The Duke, like he is everything. You need to watch this show. And she texted me back and she said, wow, you're such a little sauce pot. Oh, and I sauce pot. A sauce pot. I have no idea. I don't know. I've never heard of that expression before. I'm assuming it has something to do with being saucy. Yeah. Um, I mean, okay. <laughs> Look, you have some context there. You know, like some you're talking context. about a hottie. Yeah, um, but it's just I would never call somebody a sauce a pot. Sauce pot. I know, but that's saucy. Perhaps, but a soft yeah, pot. Yeah. I'm assuming it's saucy. I'm yeah. not going to ask her. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's, let's assume that you're saucy, Raheel. Yes. Let's assume that you're saucy. <laughs> well, well, we'll end on that note. Um, and uh, yeah, thank you so much for tuning in to our Pants Not Trousers podcast. If you like what you've heard, please like or leave a comment. It'll help others find us and kind of keep this podcast alive. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast as well. Or you can follow us on Twitter at Not Trousers or follow us on Instagram page uh, at Pants Not Trousers. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll talk soon. See you later. Bye. Bye.